We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here. The old man, Andreas Hill, guy whose picture is over there, he is not here today. It is his wife's birthday weekend. Happy birthday to Mrs. Hill, of course. And uh, they took off to parts unknown. So he's taking a vacation. I just had a vacation. Instead of filling the seat with another guest, this is your favorite episode. He's left me to my own devices. It's all Kel today. I am talking boxing. I'm talking MMA. So much to cover over the past week. Teofimo Lopez did it. I think both me and Dre last week predicted that Teofimo would win. I thought he went by knockout. It was so close. He didn't pull out the knockout, but he upset the king of the 140-pound division. So we'll talk about Teo. We'll touch on Adrian Broner, who was our guest last week, and what this means going forward after his win. Won't really talk about the Floyd Mayweather fight, except it was crazy because it was madness. There was a whole brawl. Can't bring some folk anywhere. Or we got to do better. Uh, Floyd fight, well, maybe, okay, that might be all the credence I give to the Floyd fight. And then after the break, we're going to talk UFC review the entire UFC pay-per-view card. Talk about Amanda Nunez winning again and then walking away at the top of the sport. We'll also talk Charles Oliveira and Conor McGregor. New accusations just came out recently. We'll touch on that, him at the NBA Finals. All the stuff that's come out in that report, his camp is denying it, but we have to talk about that one. I think Dana White just released a couple of new announcements coming up in the summer as well. So a packed, packed, packed combat sports show today. And one of the only times we're combining boxing and MMA, but it's cool. We get to talk about it all together. So the boxing fans get along with the MMA fans, MMA fans. You guys really don't like boxing people, but just stick around. It's okay. Learn a little something about the sweet science. We got everything you guys want in both of these segments today. And then I'll be holding it down talking wrestling later on in the week, going through everything that's happening in AEW. They are on fire right now. Building towards Forbidden Door. We'll talk about WWE. The genius that is the Bloodline Saga still going. Even though when people are like, this is dead. Roman Reigns sucks. No. You guys, wait. It's Sometimes you got to wait and see. We'll talk about that on the Pro Wrestling episode. Today, though, I am no longer on vacation. Dre is. It is nice to be back. It is nice to be recharged. I was here for a couple shows last week. Cole held it down a little bit last week as well. One thing I noticed, though. Getting back in the swing of things, I had to cover boxing, the Teofimo fight, to cover Golden Knights this week, all this stuff. It is hard as hell to come back from vacation. No one really ever let me know, in, in the old man either, all this insistence on me taking a real vacation. I took a seven-day vacation. I come back, I need a vacation from the vacation. I got like two days into work, and I was just like, oh, I want to go back on vacation. So everyone was like, you have to go to recharge you. Did the opposite. It's much easier to just continuously work than it is to go realize like, yo, there's so much fun going on for seven days and I have to come back to work. So either I'm going to take another vacation and like a couple of weeks or I'm not taking a vacation ever again. And uh, depending on how my wife feels about this. 
So we will see. But it's nice to be back, going full throttle and working. Got to start off talking about Teofimo Lopez. Teofimo versus Josh Taylor in NYC. People are talking about, well, it was at the small room at NYC, at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, that was just logistics. They wanted the big room. When you see the crowd that came out for this fight, so many Josh Taylor fans. When you see the crowd, easily they could have packed out the big building. Easily. Maybe a couple sections roped off. But this was the most they've ever sold in the small building at MSG. So when you look at that and you notice that everyone in the boxing world was buzzing about this fight, you knew the magnitude. Was it Shakur Stevenson's last fight when he sold out Newark? No. Even though I think they could have done those numbers. Was it Tank and Ryan? No way near, right? That was the hottest ticket in boxing. Is it a Canelo fight? No. But I think people saw and were reminded that Teofimo, when he's right, when he's at his best, all the pre-fight trash talk and craziness aside, when he is right, he's as big of a draw as any of those guys. And he's going to only get bigger. Maybe. But we're going to talk about the fight itself because I picked a stoppage, late round stoppage. Dre picked Teofimo by decision, I believe. And it was all about his mental state. Like, where is he? Because these comments and interviews and the Mark Kriegel interview on ESPN in particular were very concerning. And we didn't know where his mental status was heading into this fight. Athletically, and I say this all the time, athletically, he's as good as anyone in those weight classes, 135 through 147 in the world. Athletically, he's a freak of nature. If he was three inches taller, he could be in the NFL. He's that athletic. He could be playing basketball. He's that athletic. He does all that already. He has friends who are in the NFL. Elijah Moore, who was with the Jets, traded to Cleveland. Him, like best friends. They're on the same level of athleticism. Check out his workout videos. Check out when he prepares for fights. He goes out to the football field running routes like he's Wes Welker. Just cutting on the dime. His athleticism isn't something you see all the time in boxing. And that's his biggest advantage. And that's something where you look at Josh Taylor and to steal a line from Floyd Mayweather, straight up and down, no special effects. Josh Taylor is really good. He's really sound. But athletically, he's not the guy Teofimo Lopez is. So when making a prediction and going into this fight, it was like, yeah, natural talent. Teofimo's on a different level. That's why he was able to beat Vasily Lomachenko. That's why people never said he lost to Loma like they're saying Devin Haney lost to Loma. And calling that a robbery or demanding a rematch. He beat Loma and people were like, oh, okay, no, that's, that's right. The scorecards were correct. And now we see why, because he goes up, he challenges the former undisputed champion at 140, but that's only because Josh Taylor vacated all the other belts. Uh, we'll touch on that when we talk Errol Spence, Bud Crawford, and their press tour this week on sanctioning fees and paying 3% for each belt for every fight. Once you're undisputed, what does it matter? So he vacated those belts, but he still was an undefeated, undisputed, lineal champion at 140 and this belt was for the Ring Magazine title, which pretty much crowns the best fighter in the division, regardless of how many belts you have at the time. If you're number one, you're fighting for the Ring Magazine title. And we saw that coming into this. The guys cleared out the entire division. It's not like he went and beat paper champions for those titles. He went through an entire uh, Muhammad Ali trophy bracket tournament with the zone and beat Regis Progress, and then came over the top rank and then beat... Ramirez, who was the champion for top rank, Jose Ramirez, who had two belts and took those two belts. So he, he went the hard way to becoming undisputed. Josh Taylor did. Teofimo, once they got into the fight, took about nine minutes, maybe less, let's say seven, for Teofimo to get comfortable and figure Josh Taylor out. And from the middle of the second round through the end of the fight, maybe excluding the 10th because Teo kind of took that off. And I can make an argument to give Tio the 10th round. Because when you look at what he did and what he was able to accomplish, he was so, so good. That entire fight, and he landed the bigger punches even in the 10th. Did he have the same volume? No. But the punch power, by that time, Taylor wasn't hurting him with anything. And he was still winning that round, in my opinion. So on my card, I had Tiafimo winning 10 rounds. I'd say one and two were toss-up rounds where you could give them to Taylor, and those were close. 
I had Tio going round three through the end of the fight. I didn't think at this point anything in the middle rounds were close. The judges saw him differently, and I'll talk about that in a second. But Tio Fimo got to a point where against Josh Taylor, and we've seen this in a couple of fights, but we never saw it against Loma. He started styling on him, started clowning him, started doing all the crazy hand movements, putting his hands down, doing the, the leg wiggle dance. He started doing all of that stuff in the ring. And we've seen him do this. We've seen him do this against past opponents, but no one the level of Josh Taylor. And once he hit that zone, once he got into that space, once he hit that level of comfort, Josh Taylor didn't stand a chance. And when you look at it, a healthy Tiafimo, because we saw him against George Cambosis and he went to the doctor and said his lungs were compromised. They don't know how he was breathing. Everything checked out. They thought he could have died in the ring. It was very risky for him to fight that fight, but it had been delayed so many times he didn't want to pull out. And the money for that fight was, was really good. He was guaranteed like $4 million. So you look at that, and that's guaranteed, not even on the backside of things. He was guaranteed $4 million in that Cambosis fight. You look at it, he was like, I'm not giving up this money. He went to purse bid. They bid higher than he had ever made in his career. And they were like, yeah, I can't, I can't give up that type of money. And then he lost Cambosis. And even then he dropped Cambosis in the 10th and almost stopped him. So you look at what he did against Taylor this time. I'm not surprised. No one was surprised. After the fight got rolling, people were like, yep, this is the Teofimo we knew. This is the guy who beat Lomachenko in 13, 14 fights. Yep, this is the guy who was undisputed at lightweight. And people say whatever they want. I know Devin Haney had a belt. That's because at the time, Lomachenko wouldn't fight him. But no one beat Lomachenko. Lomachenko still had a version of the WBC. I see all these pictures with Teofimo. He got two WBC belts when he beat Lomachenko. So I'm going to call him undisputed. Because Devin Haney never beat Loma Ford. He's definitely lineal champion at 135. So going into 140 and facing that same type of guy there and dominating him, at least the Lomachenko fight was close, dominating Josh Taylor. Oh, the, the two judges who scored at 115, 113, I don't know what they were watching. Those two judges and their cards were, were even different in the rounds they gave Josh Taylor. Those two judges need to go and rewatch the fight and rescore it. I, I don't care. The right man won. But I want to see them rescore it and see how they would score it now. Because a lot of stuff in the moment gets lost and you think you see something and you don't. I want to know their opinion now if they had to rewatch, like on a television, and rescore the fight. Because the 117 card, 117, 111 card for T.O. seems right on point or a little generous. Because I 118, 110, I could see. There were several points where I thought he was going to stop Taylor, and Taylor just wasn't throwing back. Josh Taylor has since said he's moving up to 147. The weight cut could be a major part of this. We saw him against Catterall, where many people thought he lost, and he was given a close decision, where people were like, ah, oh, this should be his last fight. I'm not sure if his body responds anymore to 140. And then now getting dominated? Yeah, you got to go to 147. 147? Good luck. We're talking about Terrence Crawford. We're talking about Errol Spence. Oh, we're talking about the young guys like Boo Tennis, Virgil Ortiz. Oh, yeah, there's still a guy like Keith Thurman there. That There's no easy touches at 147. None. So when he goes there, he has to be ready to get into a whole nother level of a war with guys who are his size or bigger and with a lot more pop than even a Tiafimo Lopez bought in this fight. Tiafimo just was more athletic he got the punches off easier. It was way quicker than Josh Taylor. Josh Taylor is going to fight guys who are bigger, more powerful, and as quick, if not quicker than him at 147. Josh Taylor is a great story. No one can ever take being undisputed champion away from him. It's going to be a tough, going to be tough sledding for the rest of his career, if you ask me. We'll see what he does when he gets to 147. He's not going against those guys right away. That's what he would have done. He would have been Automatic mandatory if he would have just vacated his belts and moved up. He stayed for the Tio Fimo fight. He got more money than Tio, which I understand. Tio, after the fight, was like, well, and we'll talk about this now. He said, I'm retiring because I only made $1 million to fight Josh Taylor. I'm a former undisputed champion. This is my city. Taylor came here. I only made $1 million. That's criminal. Yeah, but coming into this fight, you were the B-side. 
because you did lose to Cambosis, because you look good against Ocampo, but you didn't look good in your last fight. Josh Taylor, you came into his realm. He's the undisputed champion up here. He's undefeated. So yeah, Josh Taylor is going to make two, 2.5, and you're going to make one. But you do that so that your next fight, you get back to where you should have been. If he never loses Cambosis, he's making three, four, five million the entire time. The best thing about Javante Davis is he doesn't slip. Yeah, his money keeps going up, but he never loses. So his money's not going back down. Ryan Garcia is not going to make in his next fight what he just made to fight Tank. It might take two or three fights to make that level. And maybe if he fights Roley. If he fights Roley, I could argue Ryan Garcia is still the A-side. Maybe he makes A-side money. But he's not going up against an undisputed champ. So Tiafimo, I understand the logic. And especially after how he looked after he won, now the resume is stacked. Now it's, okay, I beat two lineal champions, 135 and 140. I was undisputed at 135. I beat the guy who was undisputed at 140. So if he didn't vacate the belt, I'm technically undisputed. Which I'll give it to him. So now you're undisputed in two weight classes. Clarissa Shields being the only other person to accomplish the feat. It's pretty good. Now if he decides to fight again, now, now you're getting the money. Now the big money fights are out there. But he's retired on Thursday. He vacated the belt that he just won from Josh Taylor, WBO. He's not going to hold that up. They'll probably have the next two contenders fight over that. Because when you come back now, you're undisputed at 135 in your, and really, you're undisputed at 140 in your head because you beat the guy who was undisputed. What do belts matter? Now, the rest of your time at 140, you don't got to prove anything with belts. You just chase the biggest, best fights for the most money. It's the Floyd Mayweather effect. Who, who knows what belts Floyd defended at what fight or what belt he gave up or what belt he kept. I think he always kept a WBC because the WBC was giant green and Mauricio loves Floyd. Floyd loves Mauricio. All right, Mauricio, here I have 3% of my astronomical purse. And they created a million specialty belts for Floyd. But outside of WBC, Floyd didn't care about any of the other belts. And Tio, at this point, you've proved what you had to prove. You've held all the titles in two weight classes for all purposes. Who cares about the belt? Give it up. Let the division figure itself out. Because guess what? If the other people fight and they belt collect, when it's your time to jump back in, oh, you pick up two belts like that, three belts like that, one fight. If Regis progress is as good as everyone says he is and as he appears to be, he fights this upcoming weekend. This should be a good fight for him. It's a replacement opponent. Cool. Stay active. His next fight should be Jack, uh, Jack Catterall because Catterall's been waiting since the Josh Taylor announcement. I was like, yeah. So Catterall versus him. Regis signed with his own. That's an easy fight to make him and Catterall. You get past Catterall now. Now you should unify. And you go, you get one of the other belts. Now you're a two belt champion in three fights, getting a next year. And that's when I think we see Tiafimo come out of retirement. That's where I think we see him reemerge. Right now, he said after the fight, his next battle is in court. He wants custody of his son. Yo, do your thing. He's getting a divorce. Let the divorce proceedings play out. He's 25 years old. With that resume, now with this star power and name, let everyone else play out. Because if you come back and you fight Ryan Garcia, if you come back and you fight Devin Haney, you do anything like that, my man, you're right back in it. The money's right back there. Don't worry about it. Right back on pay-per-view. And if you beat them at 27, 28 years old, you really didn't miss that much time. He did all this in 15 fights. What time is he missing? So your 16th has got to be another huge payday. Still on the contract with top rank. Cool. Freeze that. Come back, renegotiate, give him more money, roll. And I, I think that's where he's going to see himself. In the meantime, he's been saying poignant things. Yeah, build yourself up as a bigger star outside of boxing. Go do Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, use that Bud Light sponsorship. Get a Super Bowl commercial. Leverage your resume and those assets to become a bigger star outside of that. Do a movie, even if it's a shitty movie. I don't know. Ronda Rousey's first movie was very bad. I'm not saying that her other movies are great either. But the first one was very bad. Do a shitty movie. Connor's doing Roadhouse. Like, just 
do something to make you a bigger star outside of boxing because everything you do, you bring more leverage back in to make more money. We had Leonard Ellerby right here on the set with us before talking about how he put Floyd in a WWE, put Floyd dancing with the stars. All this height in Floyd's profile, you get different people seeing him, recognizing him. Go and do the mass singer. Do, do whatever. I mean, the guy is very athletic and talented. He could go dance. Do they have a mass singer for dancing people? If they do, go do that. Just get more casual eyes on you, on your brand, and then come back and you're worth whatever you think you're worth now, plus some. And I think that's the next move for Teofimo Lopez. Family life, get that settled. Build your brand outside of this, get that settled, and come back. Floyd Mayweather retired three times in his career, I believe. He retired right when he, uh, he didn't get the De La Hoya fight. He retired, came back as Money Mayweather. And then he retired again, came back, hit another big fight. I think that was right before like the Maidana fighter. So you go through it. Floyd's used this tactic before him. Sugar Ray Leonard's retired twice. One time, his retirement forced Marvin Hagler retired because Hagler was like, yo, I beat Leonard. I'm not fighting anyone else but him. I want to run this back. If we don't run it back, I'm gone. And I think Hagler moved to like the south of France or like Italy or something to not be seen again for like two decades because he only wanted to fight Ray Leonard. Ray Leonard's like, retired. And then he unretired like two years later. Ray Leonard retired briefly, I believe after the Duran fight. And Duran beat him. Retired for like two months. Came back, I was like, nah, we're running that back. And then you get no Moss. Tyson Fury retired twice last year. He already back. He tried to fight everybody. Trying to fight Nganu and John Jones on the same night. You don't know who he's fighting. Retirement's always been a tool in boxing because you're an independent contractor and that's your only leverage is I can take myself away from the equation. It's the only leverage I have. And if you need star power, you need to pay to bring me back. So I think the kid's using his leverage and it's going to be good. It's a smart play. The ball is in his court. Top rank cannot deny his accolades right now or anymore going forward. Um, and, and we'll see what he decides to do. I mean, I, I believe his contract with top rank is still pretty new. It's a great platform. I think ESPN, he can try to promote himself like De La Hoya did and like Floyd did. I'm not sure he's at that level yet. But he has these assets, these partnerships. He can try to be a free agent like Canelo and kind of float around and just take the best fights. He still has to prove he's a pay-per-view star. This fight was free on ESPN, but it's the number one free boxing event on ESPN all year or in the past like two years, I believe. So you take that, you leverage it, try to be a pay-per-view next time out and say, I'm going to be a pay-per-view star from here on out and make more money. So Tiafimo's in, in a good place if he wants to return. He's 25 when he returns. But he's going to figure it out in the rest of that division, including in person we're going to talk about right now, Adrian Broner. There's none but time. Because you look at Regis Prograis, I just laid out his next two fights. Broner could be a third fight because I know Broner wants a title. But in the meantime, I, I think we see Ryan Garcia versus Roley Romero. And you look at that and you're like, well, I think Ryan could win that. And Ryan's still trying to build back up and have these pay-per-view money fights. Adrian Broner's a great fight for Ryan. You, Broner, Ryan Broner pay-per-view that's doing big pay-per-view numbers again. And he's right back in the mix at 140. We'll see who gets the Afimo's belt. Again, Regis has other championship. Um, I think the IBF is vacant. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But if Devin Haney moves up, then that could be a belt for him. Devin Haney, when he moves up, he's going to be automatic contender at whatever belt he wants. So when you look at that, and it's just like, okay, Devin, it's probably easier to go after the belt that one of these guys don't have because when you do fight him, a unification fight is even better. Oh, Subriel Matias has the IBF, and he's very good, sneaky. But I think it's similar style to Devin, and Devin's better at that style. Go get that belt because that's the hardest one to get. Or I understand he's been talking uh, to DeZone, trying to get the Proyger's fight, skip Catterall. Cool. That's not an easy fight. But if you get that, do that. Then 
fight Matias. Then, okay, now everything opens. So if you have two belts, now you can entice a Teofimo back. Oh, now you can fight Ryan Garcia if he beats Roley. Roley, for any reason, beats Ryan Garcia. Then you can fight Roley. You have all this leverage and you're collecting to go undisputed at 140 as well against big names if you're a guy like Devin Haney. And then whenever Teofimo comes back, of course, he's going to get a shot at becoming undisputed. Let alone the people still moving up. Does Tank want to go back up, grab a belt? Like, there's, there's so many options at 140. Guys like Broner come back. People who could move down. It's a great division. And Tiafimo winning offers so many more options. Tiafimo versus Haney is a huge fight. Huge fight. And that's going to happen. I don't see these guys going the rest of their lives not fighting each other. So let Tiafimo enjoy this brief period of retirement. But it's going to be brief. He is not staying retired. He's 25. Stuff weighs on you. Life happens. Uh, custody battles are not easy. You guys listen to our early episodes of this podcast, you will know. Divorce is not easy. Again, early episodes of this podcast, you will know. None of these things are easy. It is hard. It is draining. But when you get through that, when you get past that, you realize, yo, everything I make now is my money. Like there's, you realize I have a life after this. So many times when you're young, especially, and you have that first marriage, shout out to second marriages. When you have that first marriage and it goes wrong, like you're, you're in it. And when it's ending, you, your head says, this is the end of life. Like, yo, my life as I know it is over. What do I do after this? What is life without this person? Who am I without this marriage? Like he, he's a normal human. All these thoughts are probably going through his head. You don't know how to function anymore without that person. Even if the, even if the relationship went toxic or was bad for you and you know it has to end, you still have these doubts in your head the entire time. Let him get past that. Because like three months, six months after divorce, a year after divorce, oh, you're like, yo, nah, I'm so much better than I was. You get back to being you. He's going to get back to being him. He's going to get back in the gym. He's going to realize, yeah, all these outside opportunities are cool. I, okay, I'm focused on being a dad. But what am I personally? He's going to realize I'm a boxer. And he's going to get back to boxing. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Other thing to touch on on boxing before we go to MMA. We had a full two-stop press tour to officially announce Bud Crawford versus Errol Spence. That's going to happen July 29th right here in Vegas. If you guys are coming out, I mean, I heard so much buzz about this fight. If you guys are coming out, come through. We'll be here at the studio. Hopefully, we have a ton of dope guests that week. It is going to be so fun. This is a fight we've been waiting for for five years, four years since Bud moved up. To 147. People were talking about this when he was still at 140, cleaning out that division. It's finally happening. Some people say it's happening too late. Not as late as Mayweather, Pacquiao. Everyone still loved that. And they've signed for two. Both guys have a rematch clause. Unless Errol Spence loses and says his body honestly can't take the weight cut and he refuses to cut weight again, we're getting two of these. 
One now, one in November, both here in Vegas. I can't wait. Can't wait. These two finally on stage together. Uh, shout out to the person who <laughs> pointed out, because Spence looks huge, the first one tour stop in L.A. And they're like, yo, he's wearing Chelsea boots with like four-inch lift heels on the back. I was like, oh, well, that'll do it. So Spence, little mind games, little tricks coming out onto the stage. But these guys, they didn't trash talk each other, put each other down. But the competitive edge ramped up every minute they were around each other. But it's hyper competitive. People are finally seeing this type of back and forth with him because he realizes this person is really good. All his other fights, he's like, yeah, whatever. I'm here. I'm going to beat the hell out of this person because he was. It didn't ramp him up. He didn't trash talk because he didn't have to. Or he didn't have to show that competitive nature because he knew he was going to win. This is a guy who's a legit threat. People think he's a legit threat. And Bud is finally talking and talking that talk. And Errol came back talking his shit. Like the merch is good. Everything. There's sometimes it's like dance partners. There's like instant chemistry. These two stepped on stage. It was instant chemistry. They're like, these two were meant for each other. They went, they belt collected. They did everything else. This feels right. This matchup feels right. And after seeing them on stage, the fight we build is going to be great. Vegas is going to be buzzing. You know, Dre's is going to have a crazy lineup going for that weekend. Arrow got connections. People love Bud. The, it's going to be A-list in the front row here at T-Mobile. It's going to be such a good fight, good fight environment. And you don't get that too much for two American fighters, let alone two black American fighters. You have guys who are the whole South, whole Texas coming out for Errol. You know, Bud brings them out from Nebraska. Bud brings them out. And you have all these sports people when this was announced, they're so hype. Basketball analysts, football analysts, it's right before the NFL ramps up. I think it's the first, it's right before the first week of training camp in the NFL. You don't think those guys want to come party and be here before they got to go through a month or two a days? They're all going to be out here. NBA Summer League will just be leaving and people will stay from Summer League to watch that fight. Every pool party, every uh, club, both nightclub or the ones during the day, all that, everything's going to be packed and buzzing for that fight. Vegas is going to be at a different level, and that's what this fight deserves. Yes, the rematch in November will be cool. If they would have fought last November, it wouldn't have been cool. It's nothing like a summertime fight in Vegas. That's why Floyd fought May to begin the pool season, and he fought September to close the pool season. He knew when Vegas was popping. This is going to be one of those fights. And they gave us a glimpse in L.A., gave us a glimpse in New York of why we've waited five years to see these guys stand on a stage together. Bud and Spence are going to deliver. I already have my prediction. By the way, it hasn't changed. If you guys caught me on Sean Porter's podcast right here at Blue Wire Studios, you guys will know my prediction is not changing. Shout out to Sean who posted that clip. Kind of went a little viral. People said I was crazy. We will see in July if I'm as crazy as people say, as Andreas often says on this pod. But I think I know how that fight's going to play out. And I can't wait. Can't wait to watch it. You know me and Dre will be in the building. But for right now, we're going to hit a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk MMA. Got to recap the UFC pay-per-view from last week and talk about the legacy of Amanda Nunez. Talk about Charles Oliveira, who's just a finishing machine. Talk about all that right after break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. All right, everybody, just that quick. We are back from the break. Time to talk MMA before we get out of here. Got to start with Conor McGregor. So Conor's no secret. He's been on the Ultimate Fighter this, this season, and he's really ramped it up. He's talking about a new special he has on Netflix. They're trying to plan out his next fight. I believe he's like figuring out with USADA and the timing and everything. Michael Chandler is the rival coach in the Ultimate Fighter. Looks like those two should fight. There's rumors and reports that maybe Conor wants someone else that's not Michael Chandler. We'll see. I don't know. That's that's above my pay grade at ESPN. We'll see. Maybe if Nate Diaz beats Jake Paul, Conor will want Nate or something in the octagon to just cash out. But one thing that always hurts Conor McGregor is 
the ego and persona of Conor McGregor. He was at the NBA Finals Miami Heat game. He gets a little too rough with the mascot, punches the mascot. Mascot has to go to the hospital. Everyone's laughing at that. We've seen Deontay Wilder do that before. So mascot actually took a left hand, you know, had to get a couple pain pills for the headache. All right. Now reports came out today and Conor McGregor is being accused of sexual assault during that same NBA Finals game by a woman that said McGregor assaulted her inside a VIP men's bathroom. And the woman accused him of, and the, accused the Miami Heat and NBA security of aiding McGregor in the attack by separating her from a friend and forcing her into that bathroom. McGregor and his team has denied it. NBA, the Heat, and the UFC say they are looking into these claims. Shout out to Big Mac Ryan McKinnell. Uh, Dre, before he went on vacation this morning, they're on uh, Sirius Radio talking about it as the news broke. And this is something that should be relatively easy to prove yes or no. We don't know what happened into the, in the bathroom. If security for any reason forced a woman into the bathroom, if Conor McGregor's on film in the bathroom when the woman enters, if then Conor McGregor and his security leave the bathroom, and then the woman exits. Then, you know what? The benefit of the doubt is gone. Because there's enough to collaborate, collaborate her story to say, you know what? Where there's smoke, there's fire. And if there isn't, and his team is denying allegations and saying he will not stand for this. If there isn't, pull the tape. Show that Connor may have went to the bathroom. A woman was never in the bathroom with him show that she was never forced in the bathroom by security. Even if you can show they went into the bathroom hand in hand together and he's just a serial cheater on his wife who they just announced they're having a fourth kid and he just went in there with the woman. At that point, consensually, you got to ask consent every step of the way, by the way. But at that point, if they went into the bathroom together, show it. There's cameras all throughout an arena. This is the NBA Finals. Witnesses. Cameras everywhere. VIP or not. There's a way to monitor everything in these arenas. Show it. It shouldn't take days. Shouldn't take weeks. Pull the film. Show it. And then I understand it's an open investigation. Show it. Show it to the cops first. Show it to the league first. Show it to the UFC first. And then show the video. Someone leaked this to TMZ. You leaked the video, TMZ. If you're McGregor's team and he's truly innocent. Easy. So we have to wait for this to play out. But it seems pretty cut and dry. If he didn't do anything, if he's innocent, if he wasn't there, if it didn't happen that way, whatever it is, show it. The NBA and the Miami Heat, if this woman sues civilly, are both in this. And if she can prove that they had any hand in this, Oh, she's cashing out even more than just suing McGregor. And then it's still criminal charge. So if you're those teams, pull the video, show it ASAP. Because it looks bad on the entire league. So this should be clear cut and dry if he didn't do it. Now, if he did it, then throw the book at him. He's an idiot. Pull him from everything that's on ESPN. He's had multiple allegations. Can't control himself. He's then just a habitual predator on women. Throw a book at him. I don't got to see him take, take tough off the air. I know it's pre-filmed. Take it off. I don't care. Even if I work at ESPN, if he's proven to have done it, or even if it looks close to him doing it, and her story looks like it's remotely true, pull it. No, there's no return date for his pay-per-view. No, he's not in USADA. No, we're not doing business with Conor McGregor anymore. It's that easy. Because this is a case, unlike his, all the other accusations, this video. This video somewhere. If it looks remotely like what she says, pull it. Because he's an idiot. If it remotely plays out like this. And you don't need to do business with a guy like that. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, switching gears, tough transition to the pay-per-view itself. 
it was a better pay-per-view than even Dre and I gave credit for. And we said this at the end of the show. It was like, you know what? UFC puts together these weird pay-per-views sometimes, and they just find a way where it looks horrible on paper, and then they pull it off. And then you're like, you know what? This was good. I, I liked everything that happened here. I, I'll go through some of the card real quick. Um, Dan Ige wins in his fight. Mike Mallett wins by submission. And those, those two fights, to me, were both good pay-per-view fights. The no contest with Chris Curtis, kind of whack. Uh, I thought, and I said this on the show last week, Zahabi should have been on the main card. Zahabi, where his dad has been a coach in Canada so long, that his dad coached GSP, the, that Canadian lineage. He's on the card for that reason. Put him on the pay-per-view portion. He goes out there, gets a round one, one minute in knockout. That should put that guy on the main pay-per-view. But all right, you live and you learn. But he should have been in a featured position there. We get to the co-main event, Charles Oliveira, Benil Darius. Darius ranked very high. Charles Oliveira really has only lost to the champion. So you, you look at Charles and you're like, okay, this guy was literally that good. He lost to Islam, yes. He got submitted by Islam, yes. Before then, on a roll, rolling through everyone. Gaethje. Before that, Poirier. Before that, Chandler. Before that, Ferguson. Before that, Kevin Lee. Before that, Jared Gordon. Nick Lentz. Oh, he's not just beating these people. Stopping them. TKO, submissions. Most finishes in UFC history. Now has, after this fight, the most bonus money in UFC history. Dubronx is a different level of finisher. The hands have caught up to the submission skills. Oh, and the feet, because the, the head kick is crazy. He's such a complete fighter that it really shows you how good Sambo Sal is when you master it and how good Islam Makhachev is and how much better even than that Habib was. Because Islam is great. He's not Habib. So it's wild to see the levels of this game. But Charles Oliveira, if you got to beat him to get to Islam, I don't know who's fighting Islam. Because no one's going through. If he's the de facto gatekeeper, like Robert Whitaker was in the division for Izzy for, for a while. If your goal is to get to the champ and you got to go through him, you ain't getting to the champ. Benil Dariush, early. It was easy to see, like, oh, he doesn't have it for Charles. And then it got worse. It got worse. Then it got worse. And then it was like, oh, no, now Charles Charles had him on ground for a second. They get up. Okay, Charles stops him on the feet with a knockout. Oh, yeah. And made it easy work. And now you look at it and you say, well, uh, Islam, I know Islam's talking. He wants to go up to 170. I think he could win that against Leon Edwards. It's a great fight. Islam wants that. You know what, Islam? I, I think one more fight, Charles is going to see you again. Because he's that good. It's probably Charles versus the winner of Poirier Gaethje. And then the winner of that gets Islam. Well, what is Islam doing in the meantime? So it's, it's tough. Let Islam go up if you need him go up. 170 is still kind of deep. I mean, but if he wants, you want him to skip the line, champ, champ, let him do it. Nothing wrong with that. But if not, Please let the contender skip Charles Oliveira because they're not going to beat him. And you're going to have a trilogy just because Oliveira keeps knocking everyone else out or submitting them. And it's going to be Oliveira just trying to figure out how to beat Islam, who is his kryptonite. Then in the main event, Amanda Nunez versus Irene Aldana. If you guys heard me last week, I did a couple of radio spots and I think I said it here on the show as well. Amanda Nunez only wins two ways. First round, violent stoppage or ripping someone's arm off in a submission or it goes 25 minutes. She hasn't had in the past seven years a stoppage that hasn't been in the first round. If you get out the first round, you're going to survive. She's going to beat the hell out of you, but you're going to survive 25 minutes. 15 if you're Valentina. You're, you're going to survive it. And we saw this. And the people she stops and knocks out usually are the toughest of competition because she rolls through them. She has a point to prove she ain't messing around. 
people where she goes into a fight and be like, ah, oh, they shouldn't beat me or they're not going to. She'll let them hang around. She'll play with her food. She'll dominate them. Make it an easy night at the office, all 25. So when you see Irene Aldana on this, it's like, yep, she went 25 minutes with her. That's what Amanda does. It wasn't close. There wasn't a moment in this fight where Amanda was in danger. She almost gets stoppage twice in the first round. They get out of the first round. She coasts the rest of the way. What was surprising is Amanda Nunez announcing her retirement after and laying down the gloves in the middle of the octagon. Because you look and you're saying, wow, you're so dominant. You have so much more money you can make. They have to give you fights. Every fight is not that hard. Just keep fighting. You have a trilogy against Juliana Pena because you're one and one that you can do. And Juliana Pena fight wasn't that hard. You can starch her, knock her out, and leave no doubt. And they'll give you another main event and a lot more money again. Just do that. No. And that's cool. Wife's pregnant with the second baby. She's going to be there. She wants to go home, be with her family. She's made enough money, more money than she ever thought she would make. She made enough money in her eyes for the rest of her life. She's good. And you know what? I've got to respect that. And she doesn't want to come back. She says everyone else now is fighting for the fake title. She will always have the real title. There's nobody else in a 145-pound division. So she's pretty much retired that title because there's no rankings. There's no one else to fight up there. And she left 135 on top. I, I don't think there's anyone else who's going to come close to her level of resume as a women's fighter in the UFC. She beat every other champion the UFC has ever had at 135 pounds. She's beat every champion the UFC has ever had at 145 pounds. She beat the most dominant champion the UFC has ever had at 125 pounds. Twice. No one's matching that resume. Cyborg was unstoppable. Stopped her. Ronda Rousey, the biggest marketing, like, I mean, top three marketed athlete in UFC history, male or woman. Definitely number one in women's. Stopped her. Both first round finishes. Holly Holmes stopped her. Her resume is stacked. No one's, no one's coming close to what Amanda Nunez just did. So she's the greatest of all time in terms of women in the UFC. And she made a pretty strong case to be the greatest of all time overall. If John Jones for some reason loses, the conversation then becomes Amanda Nunez or Habib Nurmagomedov. And I'll put her resume up against Abib any day. In terms of just UFC. And sheer dominance. Okay, she lost. Habib is undefeated. Amanda has five losses. Doesn't matter. Sheer dominance alone could give her the GOAT conversation. So it's, it's one hell of a legacy. One hell of a way to go out. Glad she gets to spend time with her family. It's going to be really fun to see what happens in 135 division now that she's gone. So that was wide open. And it's time for the UFC to build another star. Because the numbers after she retired on ESPN Social, on ESPN.com, on other platforms, MMA Fighting, MMA Junkie, she did crazy numbers for this re retirement. People care. They should have marketed her a little better while she was there. People care about Amanda Nunez. Do right by the next champion. Do right by the next elite fighter that comes in. That's what the UFC's goal is. Market the women better. Not everyone's going to be Ronda Rousey. But you need to find two stars. Maybe not superstars, but stars. And build them. And not just because of looks. Not because they look like Paige Van Zandt. Build what they do best. Amanda Nunez just retired during Pride Month. Arguably the most successful openly gay star in combat sports history. I don't even think it's close. I don't even think it's arguable. One of the most successful in all of sports. Openly and proudly lesbian. Lesbian couple. Her and her wife. Beautiful family. Out in the forefront. Her wife brings the kids to the fights. Everything. Not hiding a thing. Retires during Pride Month. What better story can you get there? Why isn't this being told? Accentuate what they have that makes them different instead of only pushing people that fit a box. That's the UFC's job going forward.
do right by the next person who is brave enough to do these things, like Amanda was. Do right by them. And then I think they'll build more stars. And the women's division will be fine post Amanda Nunez. They got work to do. Right now, we're out of time. But hopefully you guys enjoyed this whole show. Boxing, MMA. Dre will be back next week. We'll recap uh, the UFC card this weekend, which is coming up by trying to find it. I'm so locked in on UFC 290. Oh, it's Vittori versus Cannoneer. We'll talk about that. We'll have a UFC guest next week. I believe we have two MMA guests next week. Um, trying to get a special guest here in studio next week as well. So that should be fun. Boxing, UFC uh, episodes next week. And then, of course, pro wrestling still to come this week. I was going to do that show alone. Why do it alone? I can make a quick phone call. Producer Cole Bebe will be in the house again this week, chopping it up, talking about wrestling. But in the meantime, shout out to everyone here at Blue Wire Studios in the Women's Resort in Las Vegas. Everyone in the booth. Thank you for always holding it down. Got the A-team in the booth today. Ryan, Antoine behind the boards. Thank you guys so, so much. For me, follow me on social media at Kel Dansby on all platforms. Follow the show at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter, Corner Club for Life on Instagram, at Corner Podcast on TikTok. Check out our YouTube. Everything, it's always fun on there. All of our interviews, all that stuff up there. Uh, last week, technical difficulties, but the Broner interview is still going to be put up there because there's a lot of gems. We didn't even talk about his fight most of the time. We talk about what he has going on in the future. So that'll be up there this week as well. Make sure you guys check that out. Till next time, though, I'm out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.